It's time for another episode of The Scoop. Get ready to talk Temple Athletics with John DiCarlo, Kyle Gauss, Matt Vender, and Dalton Balthazer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 of The Scoop. I'm Dalton Balthazer, joined by my weekly Wednesday wise guys, Matt Vender, Kyle Gauss, John DiCarlo. How's it going? I like it, I like it. Wise guys. I'm running out. I've been doing this a long time. Speaking of running out. out. (laughs) We had uh, a banquet of Halloween candy here last week. Now we're down to a Werther's original you found in like a Pico pocket. And then two Starbursts. These are not from last week's collection is gone. I showed you. I no, I'm, I'm just saying comparatively. You brought in like five pieces of candy. I'm saying comparatively, now we're at like the bottom. Like you reached into your pocket and found like, nobody's bought a Werther's original in. It is, it's a very grandfatherly candy. Did you ever see uh, Bad Grandpa? No. Oh, there's a scene about that. Oh, that, that died out quickly. <laughs> <laughs> also, you brought in the worst Starburst, but I still ate it. Oh, well, whatever. Once again, for like the eighth consecutive week, I'm guilty of eating something. <laughs> it's that ambient sound that we, we yes. desire here at the school. Yes, yeah. The yeah. crunching of, of paper, the opening of Ziploc bags. Dalton, how do you, when does it when does it hit you each week? My weekly Wednesday, whatever. It's like, does it, when does it come to you? Is I, it just. There like, are some times where, like, I just came up with that like five minutes before we started. Just well, sometimes. that doesn't make us feel good. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm running out. There's a lot of options Kyle's that are upset. gone. This is like the biggest part of my day. Not even top ten for Dalton. This <laughs> no. is just like an also random. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I was gonna I was gonna do criminals because of the whole Lavar Leangelo Ball stealing stuff in China, but I didn't know if you guys would get that reference. If you're above like five ten in China, everybody stares at you because like, and, but the, you got the six six guys. You don't think you're gonna be caught stealing? Especially they Shopping. were what in a Louis Vuitton store or something? Yeah, yeah. dumb. But yeah, you, you don't really think dumb. you don't think the kid needs needs stuff because he. Has, can have basically anything he wants. I'm pretty sure People he drives like a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or something like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw something like that. I don't know. But anyway. Well, we've covered a lot of ground already. We have. We always start well here on The Scoop. <laughs> so this past Thursday night on ESPN, the Owls were able to get a, a pretty huge 34-26 to 26 victory over the Navy midshipmen. It was one of the. It was probably the best performance Temple has had all season, especially on the defensive end. They were really able to control the run game for Navy, and they made them throw the ball quite often. They got out to a... A really quick lead there. I guess we'll get right into it. What were your observations from this game? And this kind of definitely bolsters the chance of the Owls getting the six wins and getting bowl eligibility. Not necessarily getting in a bowl, but at least getting that eligibility. My observation is that I'm the only one here who picked the Temple to win. I knew John was going to that. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Real quick, what time did you guys get home? I was like one thirty. Yeah, I think I got home around like one thirty, and I'd written maybe two or three graphs of my story, and then I just I wrote from home. And as I usually do, like, as I keep writing, I get more tired. Like, oh, my God. Like, and I probably didn't get to bed until I, like, double-checked stuff, still missed a couple things, checked the message boards. Right? I probably didn't get to bed till like, 4. But I, like, once I really kept going on and on, I was like, I'm, I'm going to fall asleep here. So I probably, I got on, like, 1.30 and finished, like, So 1.30 is your answer. Matt, what time did you get home? <laughs> so mean. I got home probably around, like, 3.30, 3.45. Yeah, that was there way too late. Got a text from, like, just leaving now. <laughs> and and what you guys were swapping stories with Narducci about how you were in the parking lot and couldn't get out, right? Yeah, we were trapped in the lake parking lot, but that's that's too long of a story to go. Give into. us three thirty a.m. Mark Narducci. He's he just goes strong. I mean, he was like, yeah. "Yeah, I just have one more story to crack out real quick, but yeah, then I'll be out of here." We're like, "Mark, it's three a.m." <laughs> and, was, and he already missed the deadline for the paper. Yeah. So anyway, 
<laughs> yeah, uh, I think my observation was I think you saw more Frank Newtile than you saw against Army, obviously. Obviously, there was a bit of a mismatch there between Merchant and Adonis Jennings, but they exploited it. I, I, Dave and, Pat- his ba- and his backup, too. Yeah, Dave Patton had almost kind of used that as like, oh, well, let's like temper the expectation. But yeah, you, you still took advantage of it. Like, he could have mm-hmm. missed those throws. He did well. Yeah, Frank Newtile, 200, and was it 90? 289, four touchdowns, a BS interception that went off the hands of Randall Jones. I think, barring some catastrophic collapse, I'd be surprised if he doesn't start the rest of the year. I think, mm-hmm. uh, for all we know, he goes out this week and looks awful, and they go back to Logan or they go to Anthony Russo. But I think he's earned the right to kind of get five games under his belt, maybe six if they go to a bowl. You made the comment earlier, well, at least gets in the bowl eligibility, maybe they don't get into a bowl. I think there's enough bowl tie-ins uh, this year that it's not really an issue. Like, if Temple gets the six wins, they should get to it. Two weeks ago, going to the Army game, if you had told me they were going to be 4-5 and five after the Navy game, I would say, great, they beat Army, they lose the Navy, they're still in bowl eligibility conversation. They're pretty much where we, best case scenario, where we thought they could be a couple weeks ago. They're right in the hunt. They could beat Cincy this week. They beat Tulsa week the last week of the year, and they go to six wins, and they go to a bowl game. Right. It's not It's not as bad. It's, it's a pretty good situation considering, I mean, the, the two of the next three are, are pretty winnable. And then even if, let's say, they beat Cincinnati, which I think, I think they'll have a good chance to do. If they do that, then you look at the UCF game, and that's probably coming at the best time of the season. I mean, the offense seems to be clicking. The defense is playing really well. So if if they can go out and beat Cincinnati on Friday night, that UCF game would probably come at a really good time. UCF would have to come up here. The weather's probably not going to be that great. It's going to be cold. They're not used to playing up here. So, you know, things things could be – Things could be looking good for them as far as bowl eligibility goes. Uh, they obviously have to go out and beat Cincinnati. But the, the, just being around the, the facility and just seeing the way the team's kind of responded to the way Frank's been the starter, it's been interesting to me. I think, you know, Jeff's talked about it where he sees Frank going from huddle to huddle, whether he's with the special teams, the defense, he's going around and, and getting, you know, headbutting people just in the, hmm. in the huddle. He, he's a leader. Um, you know, the defensive players respect him. Uh, every, every, it seems like just everybody on the team respects him. It seems like everybody listens to him. They rally around him. Um, it just seems like a different vibe than having Marchie as the starter. I don't think any of the coaches or players are going to come out and say Marchie's not a great leader. But, um, you know, there's just a different vibe around the team with Frank. They've been able to obviously move the ball better with Frank as the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I thought what Dave, Dave Patton has done as the offensive coordinator, I think he's changed things up and kind of gotten more comfortable as the season's gone on. I think you saw against Navy, it was almost a, a, an even split between the pass and the run. They ran it, I think th- I think they passed 30 times, ran it 28, so that's almost an even split right there. Um, even though Raquel Armstead didn't get going, I think he had 14 carries for 26 yards, so he, they weren't really, really able to get him going, but they still stuck with the run. Um, which opens things up for Frank in the passing game. And I, I just think that what they've done is allowed Frank to not – they haven't put too much on his plate. They've let him make some throws. I think he has that really good connection with Adonis that's developed going back to what Adonis said was, was when Frank first – when he first got here, Adonis from Pitt, mm-hmm. they, they had a relationship, so they, they were always throwing together. And you can see that connection, how that's worked out with three touchdowns and, and Frank's two first, two first starts. Um, so I just think the team it feels different with Frank as the as the starter. The vibe is just is just different, and you know I, I think I'd be surprised if Frank's not the starter the rest of the season, barring you know a, a total setback against Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean last two weeks he's completing seventy one percent of his throws. He's mm-hmm. averaging two hundred and ninety yards. I just it feels like. No- 
in all fairness, the last two weeks under Logan Marchi, he put up a lot of numbers. Mm-hmm. They were throwing for 350 a game, but they lost to UConn. He threw a costly pick six. And I just feel like Frank Newtel at this point, whether it's the – I mean, Dave Patton said uh, during uh, the conference this week, he said – Look, he can't throw the ball as far as Logan. Well, he doesn't need to. This no. isn't the NFL. You're not expecting to throw. It's college football. Mm-hmm. You're just getting the ball into the hands of your playmakers, and it seems like he's taken the right path to do that so far. Yeah, somebody made a good point on the message board, I think, where Logan, Logan, it just seems like Logan, mm-hmm. if he goes to his first read, if it's not there, he'll throw the ball in the dirt and move on to the next play. With Frank, it seems like maybe he's a little bit more, all right, first read isn't there, look at the second read, look at the third read. I think he just has a better feel for the game. I think he has, you know, I, I just think – Mentally, he's he's more there, whereas Logan, I think at times, would struggle with, with getting the ball past the first read. So, you know, and Jeff talks about how he gets them in the right run checks. He, you know, he's, he's good at reading the defenses. So all that, that goes into it. Um, you know, I, I ju- I've just been really impressed with the way Frank's kind of come in and, and you know, they, they haven't asked him to do too much, but just the throws that he's made, um, you know, un, under some some different difficult situations, he's he's not afraid to take a hit and stand in the pocket. I've just been really impressed with, with some of those throws, especially those two, the, the three three long throws to Adonis against Davey were, were all really impressive. Real yeah. quick, uh, uh, obviously it kind of helps that he's getting rid of the ball quickly, I think, but offensive line for all it's struggling with rush pass, uh, rush blocking this week, zero sacks against Navy, mm-hmm. really protecting Utah pretty well. So it's kind of easy to throw it to six five receivers when you're yeah, and, and, time in the pocket. And Jeff said Tuesday that he said we're really proud that over the past two weeks against service academies, we've been the, the less penalized team. You know, uh, obviously there are two sides of the ball involved, but I think part of that, I, I think I asked Jeff, I said, is, do you attribute part of that to, to Frank? And he said, yeah, you know, there, does, there just does seem to be a little bit more of a sense of calm with him, you don't really see too many delay game penalties, um, you know, burning of timeouts and stuff like that. He just seems to have a pretty good feel for things, and I think it's kind of, you know, depending on who you talk to, there are, pe- there are people I've talked to throughout the season, and they've kind of said from what they've been able to gather heading into the season, Jeff might have been more inclined to lean toward starting Frank. Dave was a little bit more inclined to starting Logan because, he, and I get it, like he's intrigued. But you, you, when you watch him, you're intrigued by his arm strength. You're intrigued by some of his athletic ability. I don't want to call him, uh, you know, Randall Cunningham or anything like that. But so you, you you see some of his skills there, and you think, okay, he might have more of a, a higher upside than Frank. But at the end of the day, again. It's two weeks for Frank. Let's see how he responds when there's real adversity. If, if he throws a pick six, how's he going to respond to it? Although Kyle's got some, you know, his thoughts on Cincinnati. Their defense really isn't that good. They're not really taking the ball away. But if, let's say, Frank throws a pick six on the road, how's he going to respond to that? But they've been a pretty efficient, um, not even just efficient, a big play offense over the past couple weeks. Again, it's, it's, a, it's a body of work of two games. But They've just been better. And, you know, again, I mean, the, the, the players do when you ask them about Frank, they smile. And, again, I'm not saying that they were saying bad things about Logan before, but they, they tend to say he's a leader, he's got a good vibe about him. And it's funny because when you talk to Frank as a reporter, he's almost a little shy and withdrawn. We were joking mm-hmm. around about after the game Thursday night, he would stand back at the podium and then he answered his question and, like, lean in <laughs> and then lean back again. And he, he looks kind of – not uncomfortable, but kind of shy and withdrawn. And then Jeff tells these stories about, you know, about him headbutting people and stuff like that. But whatever it is, he's whatever he's just doing, he's working and uh, it's working. And 
you know, I, I agree with Kyle. I think I'd be surprised if he's not the starter the rest of the season unless he completely comes unraveled Friday night or um, even if he has a rough game against UCF, you, you, you think that might come with the territory or he might really respond well. Do you guys think that this, what Temple showed against Navy was kind of what Al fans were expecting coming into the season? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, you had a lot of plays in the backfield. Uh, backfield, Tree Finch had three and a half sacks for a loss, two sacks as the conference player of the week. You had big playability. Uh, be passing, I think they would have been a little coming to the year. They was like, okay, I'm a little surprised that Rockwell Armstead only got 14 carries to 26 yards. But yeah, I mean, I think th- that's one of the games. That, okay, maybe made a late rally. A lot of it had to do with uh, there's an interception, and then it's well, yeah, of, that opened the, that opened them up yeah, to almost potentially hairy territory. You're there. playing with nobody towards the end. Todd Jones is playing as your nickel towards the end. Like it was just kind of being. That was one of the games where it never really felt like until the first. 50 minutes of the game, it just looks like, okay, Tumble's going to, this, Tumble's firmly in control of this, and they may late surge. Yeah, I feel like that's the type of game you expected coming in with yeah. the mayhem. And it's also, I mean, with the receivers, all we had heard about during the spring and preseason camp was Jeff Collins saying this is one of the best receiving groups in the country or the conference. And up until Navy, I don't know if they really proved that on the field. I mean, you had Adonis go for five catches for 127 yards, two touchdowns, almost a third touchdown. Right. He stopped at the goal line. But um, that was their first 100-yard receiver of the year, yep. and that comes in game nine. So uh, going into the season, I, I, I would have thought that almost on a weekly basis you have guys going for you know 75 yards, 100 yards here. But with Ventel Bryan and that situation and you know the, the struggles at quarterbacks, it, it, it hasn't been always smooth sledding for, for the receivers. So to see them come out, not really drop any passes, I mean, I, I think that's what we expected from the receivers going into the season, and you just saw Adonis and, and Kirkwood and, and Isaiah Wright make those plays that, that you kind of expected. A tip of the cap to Dave Patno, too. I mean, he's taken his fair share of criticism, and, and when you talk to him, you'd venture to guess that he's probably aware of it, you know? Oh, yeah. You said there's been a lot of, uh, I don't know, you guys talked to my dad, and you said there's been a lot of animosity online or something like that, but, I mean, Matt had the numbers memorized, which is impressive. I mean, he's still, I mean, like, Navy... It's very, it was very clear to see they sold out to stop the run. Sure. And David Hood and Rockwell Armstead couldn't get much going on the ground, but still a good balance. Now, granted, Temple didn't run a ton of plays because Navy possessed the ball more. They had that one nine-minute-plus drive to close out the first half, but ran it. they still ran it 28 times, passed it 30 times. But Frank, again, wasn't against a great defense, but he was much more than a game manager. This was not a, a case where Hood got 120 on the ground, Rockwell got 200. Um, you know, they had to throw the ball to win the game, and they were, you know, smart enough to realize, hey, we can go up top against these guys over and over again. And they got people involved, and uh, I thought Dave called a nice game. Frank threw it well, and uh, the penalties were kept down. Obviously, the defense, defense played really, really well. Um, got in the backfield, forced them to throw, and unlike Army, you know, pulling a, a comeback out of, out of nowhere in the end, I mean, they really were able to, to tee off on Navy and get a game that they absolutely had to have. Yeah, I mean, granted, I guess they're relatively small sample sizes, but football in general is small sample sizes. First five games of the year, which includes that late uh, second-half surge against Houston, 295 yards of offense a game, last four, 473 yards of offense mm-hmm. a game. So it looks like the offense is starting to take a bit of a turn the right direction. So this week the Owls traveled to Cincinnati, Ohio, for a matchup against the Cincinnati Bearcats on Friday night. We'll get right into it. Initial observations, we talked about a little bit earlier how this team really isn't good, but... I think we'll see in our predictions, but I think all of us are going to see a Big Owls victory this week with margin of victory. The Queen City. Okay, do you know why they 
Do you know why they call it the Queen City? Do you know why they call Queen Cities in general Queen City? No. You're a Queen City if you are the largest city in the state, but you are not the capital. Cincinnati, Charlotte. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Little, yeah, I didn't either. Well, now plate. we know. And now our right. listeners know. Yeah, it's good. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, giving a little bit of credence to the fact that okay, anything can happen on the road, I get that. This is anything. Not, this is not a good Cincinnati team. It really isn't. Uh, Hayden Moore started like 20 games. Guess how many, guess what his stats against Temple are? Not good. Zero for zero for zero for zero for zero. For the three-year starter, he has <laughs> oh, never, never played, played against, against Temple. All right, so I was Last year, wrong. he had an ankle injury, and they went back to Gunnar Keel. Oh, that's right. Two years yeah, ago, okay. he hadn't won right. the job from Gunnar Keel yet. He's never played Temple, which is bizarre to me. They are the only scoring offense in the nation in the conference worse than Temple. They have the 103rd best running offense. They have the 106th uh, total offense. They don't force turnovers. They only have two interceptions all year. Uh, they give up 31 points a game. They're bad in the red zone. They so there's nobody on the offense that particularly scares you. They have a, a redshirt running back. That's redshirt freshman running back. That's pretty good. He might be the most dynamic person on their offense, and he he is what he is. There's no big time threat in wide receivers. They don't force turnovers on defense. They don't score the ball. <laughs> I understand. Score the ball. I understand they're still in it. Like if they win this game, okay, then they, their schedule is UConn and ECU the rest of the year. They have a chance of getting back to right. bowl eligibility, which in Luke Fickle's good first year. Good for him. I, I don't. I think this is going to be the same as Navy, where the score might look like it's close at the end. I think this game is going to be firmly in hand the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a talent gap here. I think Temple Temple's the more talented team. I think one thing that stood out to me when just looking at some of Cincinnati's numbers is they gave up just over 200 yards per game on the ground. Now, some of that's a little bit skewed because they gave up 569 against Navy uh, towards the beginning of the year. So, <laughs> I mean... But Temple still should be able to get something going on the ground. I know we've said that in weeks past where they've gone up against not great rushing defenses and then they, you know, put up nothing. But um, they should be able to run the ball. They should be able to keep things balanced, which if they can do that or keep things in that, you know, 50-50, close to 50-50 pass-to-run ratio, I think they're going to be in really good shape. Um, You know, you keep the defense off the field, keep the time of possession up in your favor. And if you can do all those things, I think this – this this should be a ten point win plus. Um, you know, I I'll get into my predict, prediction later, but I really like this matchup for Temple. I know we've seen you know just two years ago when Temple went out there after they played after they beat Penn State, mm-hmm. uh, that was that was a scare. They ended up winning, but they needed that Matikavich interception at the end yeah. to, to close it out. So I don't you know Cincinnati's never really been an easy game for Temple. I know it's a new a new coaching staff, new quarterback, um, but. You know, it's never been an easy game. It's it's typically not that easy of a place to play going to Nippert Stadium. So, um, you know, I, I think talent wise, Temple has the edge, and and I, I like the, I like Temple's odds here. But you never really know going going on the road in a, in a conference game against a team that that they've struggled with traditionally. Last time they were in Nippert Stadium, it was like week two, and it was eighty five degrees. It's going to be cold on Friday. It's going to be like thirty three degrees at kickoff mm-hmm. time. I wonder if students are going to brave. A Friday night game for a bad team in twenty-some degree, thirty-degree weather. I have or no idea. I know barren. nothing about the student body at Cincinnati. And they so. probably enjoy Skyline Chili. They like the Reds. Probably <laughs> from Kentucky. They have going to going Ohio. to going to baseball card shows, looking for Pete Rose's autograph. Have you ever been in Cincinnati? I haven't. No, I have. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You know what's not okay? This Cincinnati team. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it's, it'll be a, you know it'll be a feather in Frank's cap if he goes on the road and wins. If there's any sort of, you know, 
notion that okay, you've you, your two st- your two starts have been against service academy teams. You lost one on the road. You beat Navy. Um, regardless of whether or not this is a, a, a Cincinnati team that it was two years ago, if it goes on the road and gets a win, it's a it's another step in the right direction for them. And then you're playing UCF, and who knows what happens there. So prediction time. Obviously, John was right last week. He made sure of that at the beginning of the show. What do you guys <laughs> think for a score and a winner this week, Cincinnati and Temple? Uh, well, right. I'll take it first. I just wrote, I just did a little preview with the Cincinnati Rivals page, and I predicted Temple tw- Temple 38, uh, Cincinnati 21, so I'll stick with that. I, I think I think Temple wins by a pretty big margin here if, if they can run the ball effectively and, and keep, it, keep it out of Cincinnati's hands. I'll say Temple thirty one, Cincy thirteen. I think I think this is gonna be uh I think Frank Dutel will have a decent enough game. I think the wide receivers they're gonna get slightly better cornerbacks, slightly bigger cornerbacks, but I think Temple's wide receivers should be able to do what they want. And end of the day, maybe you do get Rockwell Armstead going, I think they cruise a relatively easy win to get back to five hundred. I think this is a um I, I think they're gonna get rolling. I I see this as a blowout, like forty one fourteen type of game um, I, I just think they things seem to be rolling for them uh, it doesn't mean I think they're just going to roll over UCF the following week but um, I, things just really seem to be rolling in the right direction for them I think this is a big win for them since I've been wrong I rescind my opportunity mm-hmm. to vote <laughs> no uh, uh, I'll, I'll take Temple 30 to 17 but I, I'm a flip flopper I don't know what's going on that's why I prefer <laughs> not to pick but anyway <laughs> so we got everyone's on the owl sure, the owl probably win well, you could have Herb Street it last week when I was like, I'm covering the game. Unfortunately, I can't get <laughs> yeah, the protection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, like they believe that I'm going to Ohio. Yes. <laughs> hey, this is Brandon McManus, Denver Broncos Super Bowl champion, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. Thank you, Brandon. That is the voice of uh, Brandon McManus, Denver Broncos kicker extraordinaire. Um, you had the opportunity to talk to, to Brandon and Fletcher Cox after Sunday's Eagles game, which was uh, – magnificent blowout to behold yeah. uh, of course the connections here to Temple are that Brandon, Manis, Brandon McManus is a former Temple kicker uh, the <laughs> microwave in my office is going off thanks to Kyle what do you want to tell us <laughs> <laughs> special guest on the scoop this week a microwave anyway uh, had a chance to talk to Brandon McManus talk to Fletcher Cox uh, because of course Fletcher played at Mississippi State Jeff Collins was on the staff there as his defensive coordinator and uh, it was cool to catch up with uh, catch up with Brandon, talk to talk to Fletcher. Um, you know, Brandon had a lot to talk about. Talked about being at, at Temple's facility, just being back. This was his first time kicking at the link since um, since graduating. Yeah, since graduating from Temple. Um, you know, had a chance to be at the facility, as you'll hear in a minute. He had a chance to talk to the kickers. Um, cool thing about Brandon, I think, is that he really. Um, I mean, here's a guy who's won a Super Bowl. Got name dropped. Got name dropped by Barack Obama. That was that line that Obama had a few years ago, where he's like, "And we can't forget the the team's leading scorer or MVP." Mm-hmm. And um, you hear McManus nodding and saying, "Smart guy." But um, he got a kick out of. He still gets a kick out of you know being at home. In this interview, he talks about how his father still sits in the same seats. He remembers going to to games when he was a kid, and uh, you know what. He said that. He was like, I'm going to the same stadium. I've been going to since I was three or four. I was like, nah, that stadium wasn't around when you were four years old, buddy. Well, <laughs> maybe you went to the bat. I'll pass, I'll pass your critical feedback along to Brandon. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, you can tell that he genuinely gets a kick out, out of being home, that it still means something to him. Um, yeah, good to see him get back on track. I, You know, 
He doesn't. I, I think you know a lot of kickers will say I don't, I don't let misses get to me. I think he truly does not let misses get to him. I think you saw that in college, and um, you know some people out um, in Denver were critical of him. Okay, does this new contract have a, have to anything to do with things? And again, I mean his team was. I mean the Eagles just trounced him, but you know he goes out, splits a fifty-two yarder and a fifty-three yarder, so he's fine. So got a chance to catch up with him, and then uh, uh, Fletcher Cox. You know, talked to him after the locker room. It kind of thinned out, and asked him a question. Then once I started asking him about these um, these workouts that, that Jeff Collins talks about, he kind of perked up and he smiled and he was like, "Oh man, those workouts really kind of tell you where you are as a team and who's with you and who isn't." So uh, some good stuff from Fletcher. So um, we'll uh, we'll listen to Brandon McManus here talking, and then what we'll follow with is the the interview with with Fletcher Cox. Well, I mean. Obviously not the result you guys wanted, but you take any solace from just being home for a little bit? Yeah, obviously uh, it was super exciting uh, to come back home for the first time and, and play uh, in the stadium that I was coming to since I was three years old. Uh, so it was, it was cool to see uh, my dad still sitting in the same seat he sat yeah. all those years up, up in uh, the upper deck. And uh, it was just uh, an awesome experience to play here and uh, to play well yeah. as well. This was, your, this was your first time kicking here in the NFL, right? Yes. Does it feel feel weird at all, or you kind of just get over that pretty quickly? I, there's four years, I feel like, when I got to the stadium in the grass, I felt like there was a lot that I didn't know, which was weird. And they just they added turf, I guess, to you know the visiting sideline as well. So uh, there's so many things that just kind of threw me off a little bit. But like I said, it was uh, it was truly truly an amazing experience to play here after watching being a kid. Does it feel good just just to bounce back just after? I know you, I was yeah, kind of surprised uh, that you took. Some, I mean, you missed a couple of kicks, which every does. Right. You go back out, you kick a couple 50-plus yard field goals today. I mean, you feel like you just got everything back in order at this point? Yeah, they were just uh, some bad kicks that I had. And, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't go your way uh, in, in making the kicks. And, you know, I knew I wasn't in a funk or never lost confidence in myself because, you know, I, I've, I've overcome so much to make it to this point. And uh, so I just needed to kind of get back out there and, and, and put them between the yellow posts. What do you do, like, technically, like, if you had to describe it to somebody, you, I think you've compared like a golf swing, the precision and everything. What, when you miss a couple, what do you do? Is it just more repetition? Well, like, how do you Some people, right I mean, some people are different. Uh, like I said, I never, I never worried about my missed kicks becoming right. an issue because once you do that, I think you kind of open the, you know, a couple cracks in the door, you open that floodgate to, to do it. So I never really look too much into my misses. Obviously, you have to make sure you make them. And obviously, if you continue to miss, you know, it'll be a bigger issue for, for yourself. But uh, I never really worried about it ever. And, uh, you know, I just had to come back out there and do what I, I, I've done before. And that's why I'm still here. I haven't had a chance to catch up with you, but just reliving that Super Bowl season, kick the way you did. Standing on the White House steps, and right. Barack Obama references you. And I think, I, I think in that video you said like, "smart guy." Does that blow your mind? You ever just sit there and think like, "This is this is actually really happening for me"? Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, it, it is a dream of a kid, or at least my dream to to get to this point and do that, and uh, to win the Super Bowl so quickly. I guess in my career, and and to have that Super Bowl run that I had. Uh, and, and you know, being the leading scorer in Super Bowl 50, as from a kid from from Hatfield, Pennsylvania, like I said, I, I just remember, you know, car rides home, coming to tailgates here at the Eagles games, and and to be on that this stage uh, and, and perform at a high level is is uh, is incredible. What was it like doing the walkthrough at uh, at the complex? 
temple. It was it was good. Uh, <laughs> a lot of guys uh, were laughing how uh, I went there, but like I said, at the time that was my only uh, Division One scholarship, and uh, it was cool. I mean, even the whole campus continues to change, yeah. even since I've been back at this, you know, the soccer I guess facility there, and uh, all the other green space and other buildings and this and that, and uh, new the new weight room kind of in Temple. There's so many different things, so uh, I think it's an exciting time for for Temple as well. Who'd you get a chance to talk to when you were there? Uh, so I talked to Foley uh, mostly because he's he's the only one that is kind of still there. Um, yeah. Obviously Pat Pat Boyle, who's an analytics uh, guy there now, and uh, Cody Booth, who's the GA there. So uh, it was good, obviously, always seeing them. Do you talk to any of the kickers there or not? The kickers, yeah, I talked to, uh, talk uh, to Aaron him. and yeah. I talked to uh, uh, Jonesy and. Um, just you know, gave him some pointers, and obviously, uh, Army wasn't exactly what Aaron wanted. And I told him, uh, you know, don't ever let one kick define who you are. And uh, you know, he's made him before; he could do it again. So. So there's John talking with Brandon McManus about his time at Temple and what it was like to be back at the link kicking once again. And here's John's interview also with another guy that Jeff Collins has impacted throughout his career: Fletcher Cox, a Mississippi State grad and defensive lineman for the Eagles. So here is that interview. Earliest memories of just playing, uh, playing for Jeff when you were Mississippi State. I mean, he's a great coach, um, and you know he brought, um, you know, what you see from Jeff is what you get. Um, I know he's not, you know, just gonna uh, pretend to be somebody that he's not. I mean, that's his biggest thing is, you know, just just believe in him, um, and he you know he believe in everybody around him. So that's that, that's what make him stand out and make him a special coach. Hey, he told me to ask you about these bomb voyage workouts, St. Valentine's Day workouts, and protect the house workouts. Man, those those things, man. It, it, that's those type of workouts and stuff that bring the team brings it bring the team so much closer because, you know, you hit a lot of. You hit a lot of ups and downs when you're doing those workouts, and you see, you know, who, who who's the guy, who's the weakest link, and you see guys that's all come together, you know, as one. And when you got guys like that that come together as one, between on the hardest workouts of the day of your life, man, it's it's it's, it's really great for 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 a team that's that's trying to build. Is that what it was? Just like these real tough, grueling workouts. In yeah, man, it's, it's about you know who can be stay mentally stronger. I mean, I'm gonna say eight of those workouts were men, were, were mentally. And it really it really tests you test your test your deal, uh, just tests you how mental you are. What, do you get a chance to check in with him every once in a while? Man, I text him every now and again. I know he's busy and I'm busy. Yeah. But um, you know, I don't know. It's always good with, with Coach Collins. Any, any funny stories that, that stick out in your mind when you think of him? Oh man, it's just everything about him, man. He just he's always bringing the juice, man. You know, he's always amped up to see guys go out and, and play. What are your thoughts on just the Temple program and how far it's come? I mean, you, you played at the you played the best conference in the country at Mississippi State. And, Temple used to not be a football school. Now it's becoming more of a football school. What have you kind of just seen from afar, like from what you've seen? I mean, I think it's just it's, it's a process, man. It's just there's it's, it's something that don't happen overnight. There's something that, that you have to have players to buy in to what the coach is selling. And, you know, once you get everybody there and, you know, everybody's trusting each other, um, I think, you know, then nobody can stop you. All right, so there's John talking with Fletcher Cox. Anything in particular stand out to you, John, about – your conversation with Fletcher? Yeah, again, I mean, I think, you know, it's a lot of the stuff that you hear people say about Jeff, that he's you know, he's a player's coach and that he relates to players. And, you know, I think he, you know, he said, I get to check in with him when I can. He's busy. I'm busy. But um, I, I think, obviously, once this team starts winning, I think people will kind of get away from that criticism. I think some people thought, okay, when they're losing, like, okay, is he too much of a player's coach? Does he really relate to guys? But I, I think you've seen enough Temple players come forward and saying, like, we really relate to him, whether it's been Delvon Randall. He's like, I, you know, Delvon said recently I picked 
Coach Collins is my guy to do push-ups because I'm really, really close with him. Um, now you have a guy who, and again, it's not like Fletcher hasn't praised him before. You know, people in the Philly media talked to him when Jeff first got the job. But, you know, I, I again, when I talked to him, he kind of perked up. He's like, yeah, you know, the, he remembered those workouts, and Jeff said they still – you know, still do some of them here. It was fun to hear Jeff say Bon Voyage. <laughs> There's a little twist on it. You know, it's like, what, send send people off before before the end of spring ball. And, um, yeah, Fletcher still remembers that stuff. And he described him as a guy who just is very genuine, really connects with people. And, you know, Fletcher did okay for himself. And uh, so you can tell that he's still, you know, pretty close with Jeff and talks to him when he can. And, and like I said, it was just cool to catch up with Brandon. Like I said, the thing that stands out from that conversation is he really, truly enjoys – being back home, he had something like 139 or 140 people here who had to get tickets for, and um, he certainly did his part. But the Broncos lost by several touchdowns. You told me Brock Osweiler wasn't going to go on the road and beat the number two defense. I think I texted. I, I texted Kyle before the game, did and you? I say I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I think I'm trending negative on this game. That was really wrong. No, I was feeling a loss for maybe like five. And then I texted you at halftime and said, oh, you're, you're trending negative. And Jeff Nyberg responded with, well, they played two halves in this game. I said, yeah, Brock Oswald is going to be the quarterback for both of them. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is not a problem. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's, he's terrible. But anyway, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to transition to some hoops here. The Temple basketball season gets underway in a week and a half or so now. Tomorrow. The exhibition oh, yeah, game. Tomorrow, yeah, yeah, tomorrow gets the well, Shall Jefferson. we say tonight? People will be hearing this on Thursday morning. You know what won't be an exhibition? My assault on that pizza. We were talking about this before we came in. Mediocre pizza, going to eat three to four slices. (laughs) See where the night takes me. (laughs) I'll take you to the toilet. That's where it's going to take you. That's where most nights end up. (laughs) I love the word choice there. Assault. Assault. Your assault. There will be no prisoners. (laughs) The Fighting Herb McGee's. The Jefferson Fighting Herb McGee's. (laughs) (laughs) They've changed their name quite a bit of times, too. Oh, Jefferson comes Couple. in with some money, takes it over, and, and then lays off six uh, percent of their IT staff. Boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> Covering everything on the scoop now. Uh, I, I think that'll be a cool thing, just to just to see, you know, because it's been obviously that there's a a cause and like a, a philanthropic element behind this exhibition game. Typically, they're doing the scrimmages, which they have done against uh, against Monmouth and George Mason. The word is that they've done well in both of them, although I think when they scrimmaged Monmouth, they, they were without, like Monmouth was out, without its Monmouth's top two or three players. Yeah, they right? were out three players, Fran Duffy said, and then against George Mason, George Mason was missing two guys. One was out with a concussion, the other one didn't play for another reason, so mm-hmm. Fran Duffy's been, I think, cautiously optimistic about the way the first two scrimmages have gone, just because of the opponent's injuries or whatever's happened with them, so they have apparently won both, both scrimmages. They blew out Monmouth by, I think, 40 points, put up over 100 on them, but um, Fran Duffy's definitely come off as cautiously optimistic, I would say. Yeah, and I think this exhibition will be fun because people haven't had a chance to to watch something like that, and uh, you know they should win. Mm-hmm. I know I know Herb is the shot doctor, and he's a very good coach, but there's a talent gap here. So how's that uh, Turner's shot holding up? I mean, there was that, but uh, <laughs> otherwise, um, yeah, I mean, we've said this before. I think this is a team that's that's deep and has talent, and has a chance to do something in March and. Uh, you'd have to think in an exhibition game um, that he'll rotate a bunch of guys in, mm-hmm. and you can see what Nate Pierre-Louis will do on defense. You can see what J.P. Mormon can do shooting the ball. You can see what Dre Perry can do athletically. You can see if Obi's going to post up and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, I think it'll be a cool night, and you know, and then before we know it, they're going to be opening their season, the Charleston Classic, and 
uh, within another what month or opening at home against yeah. Wisconsin. Well, I mean, he said, "What well, ideally you're probably expecting 10, to 10 guys to play around 20 minutes a pop, maybe 19 here, 21 there." So I think it'll be interesting just to get your first extended look at what should be a pretty good freshman class coming in, mm-hmm. and then worst case scenario, uh, get free pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you should be able to get – I asked Fran how he's going to kind of distribute the minutes when, when we talked to him on Monday, and he kind of said – I mean, I think he was still trying to figure out exactly what he was going to do, but I think he wants to get more of a look at these freshmen. I don't think the freshmen have played as much as he would have liked in the first two scrimmages. So I think you should get a pretty good dose of the freshmen. Maybe I think you should see them play in the 15- to 20-minute range, um, I would I would expect. So that should be fun for fans to see, um, I think. I was talking to J.P. Mormon on Monday, and, and he said he hadn't shot the ball really well in, in the first two scrimmages. So um, that will be something to watch for. I think he, he said he shot like two of seven from three. Um, so he, he wasn't happy with that. But Fran said earlier this offseason that he expects J.P. to shoot 40-plus forty plus percent from three. Um, so, you know, it's still a matter of him getting his feet wet in the college game. But – I think that'll be interesting to see how he plays, how Dre plays. All of these freshmen, I think, are, are just going to be really fun to watch, um, and it'll be a good it'll be a good chance for the fans to see them because you know the, the fans obviously haven't gotten to look at, look at any of these freshmen in live action. This is this is the first Fran Duffy open exhibition game that that he, that he's ever had at Temple, yeah. so this is this is a unique thing. I think this post-game press conference is going to be fun if they have one. A lot of people asking Philly-centric questions. Okay. I, you may or may not hear something like, the real winner tonight was Philadelphia. You know, stuff like that. You know, like those types of questions. I, I can envision I can envision the scene right now. Matt, throughout the off season and through preseason and these recent practices you've been out, is there one thing or one player that really stands out to you coming into the season? Uh, well, I mean, I would say that I think I think Shiz is the way the way Shiz is. What, from what I've seen from Shiz, I mean, I, I think I've been encouraged by that. Um, just the fact that he'll be able to play off the ball more this year with, with Josh. I know he bruised up his knee on Monday at practice. I don't think it's a big deal. I think he should be good to go in the scrimmage. Bruised up his hip, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, his hip. Uh, bruised up his hip a little bit, but he should be fine. Um, maybe maybe they'll have to limit him a little bit in the scrimmage, but he'll be fine. Um, so I think with Josh back in the fold, it's just going to let Shiz kind of work off the ball. Um, defenses are going to have to play Josh. Defenses are going to have to focus on different guys now. I think it's just going to take some of the pressure off Shiz. He's not just going to have to create for himself at the top of the key. He's going to be able to, you know, catch and shoot. Um, he's just going to be able to, you know, make cuts and, and get the ball near the rim. He's going to be able to, to do different things this year. Um, and I think the way he was able to score last year, at the rate he was able to score at, and what he did defensively, considering what was going on with the team, I think it was all really impressive. And now what I've seen from him is I think he's just ready to take that next next step this year. Um, I think he's ready to lead the team in scoring again. I think he's he's really ready to have a, another big year. It's time for our sometimes serious and sometimes silly mailbag. We appreciate the questions through all different types of mediums. First question comes from your boy Mike from the Great Northeast. Hey, Al Scoopers. Two things have been running through my head for the last couple of days. First, how can we look so disciplined against Navy, but then... Every other week, just commit penalty after penalty. And second, the gobbler at Wawa has to be the best holiday-related sandwich ever, right? How can we look so disciplined against Navy, but then every other week just commit penalty? I mean, I just think they're coming together as a team. We talked about this earlier in the show. I think I think Frank Mutal's had something to do with that. He's calmed them down a little bit on offense. Again, he's not playing both sides of the ball. But um, teams see situations like this where one player or a couple of players can kind of galvanize the team. They react differently. 
um, you know, and I, I do think I, I do think the, the point that Jeff Collins made this week, I don't think it was just coach speak because typically Army and Navy are not very heavily penalized teams, and they didn't commit a ton of penalties over the last couple of weeks. But for Temple to be the, the team that committed fewer penalties over the last couple of weeks, yeah, it's, it's a sign of growth. And I, I just think they're starting to play a little bit better, and Frank's had something to do with it. The defense obviously has had a lot to do with it, so... I think it's just the evolution of a, of a season. I don't know what you guys think about it. Yeah, I agree. I think they start off even a little sloppy against Navy. They had, like, what, two straight penalties, three straight penalties at one point um, with offsides or encroachments. But after that, yeah, I mean, uh, they had six penalties for 50 against Navy, eight for 45 against Army, which is the eight penalties isn't great, but 45 yards is interesting. That comes after a 12-penalty, 117 performance against UConn. So, yeah, it seems like they're just starting to get their heads on straight. I mean, I don't want to give the excuse that this was a young team because we've gone down to this debate a lot, but it's a team that hadn't played a lot together and now they started playing more together. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. I mean, I think you can't even blame it on the, the fact that it's a young team because I think, you know, we, we've seen Mike Jones make plenty of – he's a graduate transfer. He's an older guy. We've seen him make plenty of penalties. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's Leon Johnson's made his share, fair share of penalties. Every, the older guys have made their fair share of penalties. So I don't think you could attribute that to the young team. I just think it's a team that's that's growing as the season going. They're, they're maturing as the season go, has gone on, and, and they've just gotten better. Um, so – and the mental mistakes have, have stopped or – halted a little bit as the season has gone on because of that has the gobbler is the gobbler the best holiday related sandwich yeah i not, guess I do even love. if it's not necessarily that but like that type of sandwich at somewhere else like with like the stuffing and the turkey yeah. and the gravy and the cranberry sauce yeah delicious so i had this call up my email i couldn't remember the name of the place but chris vito is a, a colleague of mine uh he's covered the sixers before we, we have plans at some point during thanksgiving week to go down to he has jake's sandwich board in center city and makes this like gobbler-esque sandwich that's supposed to be ridiculous. So I look forward to eating that and becoming even more out of shape. That place in the uh, place in Cecil B used to make one that like, closed next to Plaza yeah. Pizza. Mm-hmm. Noshery. Noshery. Oh, Noshery. Yeah, yeah, Noshery yeah, used yeah. to make a decent one. Delicious. Yeah. yeah. Next question comes from Temple Owl at Philly Bully on Twitter. Any new targets to look out for? And then there's a couple others there. We'll get into those then. Uh, so this is football recruiting, I, I'm guessing. So, you know, I, I think we've seen just over the past couple of weeks, Temple's been getting in the mix for plenty of JUCO offensive linemen, JUCO defensive backs. Uh, they've been all over the place. Um, I know uh, Chris Wiesahan was down during the bye week. He went down to ASA College in Miami to go see J.D. Gomez. Um, it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a 2019 offensive lineman. Um, so they went down to see him. They've, they're back in the mix for guys like Imhotep guys like Jameer Johnson, uh, who's now at Arizona Western College um, with some big offers like USC now. And then there's John Carlo Valentin, another Imhotep guy that they've gotten in on. Um, so, yeah, they, they've been looking around at, at Juco guys, um, whether it's defensive backs or, and offensive linemen. I think they need immediate help at both spots with four graduating seniors on on uh, the offensive line, and then you have both. You lose both your starting cornerbacks, and then Sean Chandler at safety. Um, so they have lots to replace it at DB and at offensive line, and, and you've seen them kind of try and try and make some steps and and replacing those guys for next year. Yeah, that Thomas Lopez from ASA College in Brooklyn, former UCF commit. Two ASA colleges. Yeah, there's ACA College Original in Brooklyn, which Florida. John Carlo Valentin attends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's ASA College Silver, whatever they call it, the one down in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Thomas Lopez, former UCF commit, back on the market because he try, he wants to enroll at UCF in time for. He wants to enroll in January, but their semester starts early, something stupid. 
Uh, and then Nick Midori, who's a junior college commit, currently committed to UCF, a junior college defensive end. So, yeah, I think they're definitely in the mix. I, I said this last year, and they ended up not signing anybody. But I'd be surprised if they don't add a couple of Juco kids for this class. Yeah, and I, I asked Jeff, Jeff Collins about this during his Tuesday press conference. Just obviously he can't talk about specific players, but I was just like, what are the biggest needs right now? He mentioned offensive line. Where he said we're going to sign a big offensive line class. He also brought up running back. Obviously, they, they lost Kyle Wright last week, uh, Trad Beatty's uh, high school teammate down there in South Carolina. Um, so they only have one running back committed in Kyle Dobbins, who Collins actually went to go see just, just last Friday at Timber Creek. Uh, Collins and, and defensive backs coach Corey Robinson, who now seems to be the guy who's the South Jersey recruiting guy for Temple, um, you know, an important area for Temple to recruit in. Um, so, yeah, I, I think running back, offensive line, defensive back are, are three of those areas where they're, they're going to need some help and maybe even need some help right away next year. And Matt's written some good stuff about – just some insight about about, uh, about Dobbins on our, um, on our football message board too, if you haven't had a chance to check that out as well. Next question, still from Philly Bully. Predicting the starting five and first two off the bench for basketball. Uh, Josh Brown, Shiz Alston, Quentin Rose, Obi Nashionia, I'll say Damian Moore, first two, Alani Moore, Ernest Aflacpe, and then JP Moore. Yeah, but I, I didn't, I didn't want, like, the, the big's not your second guy off the bench. It's the back yeah. of the big. I would go with the same. I, my only difference is uh, I said they start Ernest instead of Damian. Mm-hmm. And Damian... Damian, Alani, and yeah, JP off the bench. Yeah, my own my only uh, disagreement is with with the Ernest thing. I think I think Ernest will start at center over Damian, but yeah, I think Damian, um, Alani, and JP would probably be those first three off the bench. I'll say. Yeah, I agree with all you guys. I think it's very similar. I think Moore and a flag are kind of interchangeable there. Mm-hmm. Next question: Will Marchie ever get his job back? Yeah, you could. Yeah, I mean, who knows? For all, here's what I think is going to happen. If you said Kyle Nostra, Thomas, this, see what's happening. I think Newtown finishes off the season. I think you enter the spring with a legitimate competition. And it doesn't just include, kind of segue into the next question. I think it includes Newtown. I think it includes Marchie. I think it includes Russo. I think it includes, it includes Trad Betty. Uh, whether or not Marchie decides, hey, maybe I want to go to Central Connecticut State. Maybe I want to go somewhere else. Or maybe I want to stick this out. I don't know. I don't think he'll get his job back this year. I think he's firmly in the mix for the spring. Yeah. Unless, unless Frank Newtile, I'll tell you this, if Frank Newtile knock him, for some reason went down an injury that kept him out in multiple games, I'd be hard-pressed to think they're going to go to Anthony Russo at this point. I would think they get the job back to Logan Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're looking, I, I was saying this to John yesterday, I think we're looking at, regardless of really what happens, Newtile could, Newtile could win the next three games, take ten, Temple to a bowl game. I still think we're looking at a, at a quarterback, quarterback competition that'll, Start in the spring, probably stretch into preseason camp like we had last summer. The only difference is you're going to have some guys who actually have some game experience. Yeah, and along those lines, like he's got another question. Your thoughts on Trabetic gaining steam from other schools? I have 240 characters. Thank you for that. We all we all have. It's 280, right? 260. 280. 280. I get that it's 2017, and people like to see who's following who to determine what's going on. Tra- uh, this there was this big uproar last week. Oh man, Minnesota was making a push for Trabetti. Trav Betty went out of his way to talk to Mark Narducci this week to say, uh, he told Matt. Shut down my recruitment. He told Matt, hey, I, I haven't talked to Minnesota at all. His coach told uh, Mark Narducci, he's reached out, but not much. Or his coach told Minnesota's rival site, hey, they've reached out, but they really haven't talked to Trav. Nothing really going on there. Minnesota started following Trav Betty. Trav Betty told Mark Narducci, I shut down recruitment. I haven't talked to any colleges since June. I will be signing in December. Mm-hmm. I, I, 
I thought it was always more likely that Trepe would sign than Kyle Wright. I wouldn't be super worried about Trepe. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the vibe I get is just Tread has had some, I mean, some schools have contacted his high school coach about possibly, you know, possibility of offering him, but nothing, you know, he hasn't been offered by any new schools recently. He had a legitimate Mississippi State offer when he committed to Temple. I don't think the Power 5 thing is going to draw him away from Temple. I think he could have went Power 5 when he, when he first committed, so I don't think it's going to draw him away. Um, you know, I don't think a Minnesota offer is going to pull him, even if they do offer I think it would have to take, you know, a high SEC level offer, a Big 12 level offer for him, for him to leave Temple. Next question comes from Getsky. How does it feel to have 280 characters on Twitter? And you literally only, I noticed the difference today when I kept writing. I was like, I should be cut off by now, and I wasn't. Other than that, there's no special. Yeah, I guess it might help me with stat stuff. Doesn't really, doesn't get my juices going. No. No, yeah. I, 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 I think it's Dalton's terrible. firmly. This isn't Tumblr. <laughs> this isn't no. Blogspot. I don't need to see paragraphs. Yeah. If they, the 140 kept people focused, made you condense your thoughts. Yeah, yeah that's a great thing about Twitter with at 140 characters. Like I don't want to hear what you have to say with 280, let alone 140. So yeah. I, think I think it's a horrid idea. <laughs> yeah. but get the get the facts out there. I do like it from the sense that if you need like 10 more characters, then you don't have to really edit too much. But other than <laughs> that, no. Next question comes from JHC722 on the message boards. If Frank starts game one, what is Temple's record currently? I've that's been the, hearing the, this a lot. Lately. Yeah, that's the question of the hour, right, everybody? Yeah. It's, it's fair, but uh, I don't know. I think, it, I think it's similar. I think it's 5-4. and four. I'll say they won the UConn game. He yeah. started yeah. Army and they still lost Army. Yep. They were still going to lose the U.S. out. They were still going to lose to Notre Dame. Uh, they were probably still going to lose to Houston. Mm-hmm. I'd say 5-4, so they won one more game. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, they got Notre Dame kicked their butt, regardless of who was in a quarterback. I get it. You know, it's it's part of the season. People question it. I don't know. Sometimes people take it too far. If they'd started from game one, who knows what the possibilities would be. Well, the possibility is that you didn't – Notre Dame's really, really good. The possibility may have been that you started off in the same record and you made the transition to Logan Marchie, and he provided the spark. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. the backup quarterback just provides that spot. Yeah, yeah, and there were times when, real quick, sorry to cut you off, Matt. There were times when when Logan got flushed out of the pocket against Notre Dame, and Frank's back there, and he can't get away. Maybe Frank gets hurt against a, I mean that Notre Dame defense. I mean, we talked about Brian Kelly getting both new coordinators heading into the season. Their defense has been really good. Obviously, their offense has been good running the ball, but. I don't think it's much different. I understand why people ask that question, but I, I think it's about the same five and four. Yeah, I, I'd say five and four. Although the only thing I can think of maybe that that would have gotten them to six and three is maybe Newtile doesn't take that sack against Houston, where Marchie takes the sack, puts him way out of field goal range, yep. and they have to punt. Um, so you know, I, I don't think Newtile. I think Newtile doesn't take the sack there, and Temple probably gets three, and maybe you're looking at a different game. I Otherwise. Think- I can't really think of anything else. I think Dalton doesn't take that sack. I think you don't take that sack. Yeah, that's not saying I think much. That was one of the worst. Sack. That was I one of the worst mistakes Marchie's made. I would more all than year. likely throw, do a Philip Walker and throw it into like quadruple cover. That's that's what I would do probably. Philip Walker took twenty six sacks last year. It's insane. Last question here. There's a two parter. As Pat Egan of ninety seven five the fanatic likes to do. First of all, John, appreciate the question. Barring injuries, one year from now, who is the starting quarterback of this team? Uh, so this is to everybody. I mean, he sent this to me. Barring injuries one year from now, I was uh, go optimistic on this one. I think if if they have their druthers, I think, well, I don't even know if I want to say it that way. I think it's Frank Newtile. And then you can really redshirt. If they are as high on Trad Betty as they as they seem to be, um, yeah, there's a competition. But I see, it, like, hey, we can actually, we were really, really happy with the way Frank's played. He showed leadership at the end of last season. Got us to a bowl game. Steadied the ship. Um, now we can redshirt Trad, but hey, he's competing every week. Maybe we'll you'll see him in a set here or there. 
I think it puts I think it puts uh, Todd Taylor in an interesting position, but I, I'm going to go with Frank. Yeah, I agree. I think Frank Newtile is your starter next year. Uh, ideally, you register to Betty. You enter the spring of 19, God, the spring of 19 with a competition between Russo, Santeo, I guess maybe technically Logan March, if he's still here, and uh, Anthony Russo. Hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Newtile is the starter, although I don't know if Marchie will be here by then. Yeah, I think I'll, by next August, I don't know if March will. I'll, I'll kind of stick off that. I think by next August, somebody in that quarterback room is gone. They would have to, right? Yeah. His last part here, a little long here. I'll get through it quickly. <laughs> and you're caddying for the Dalai Lama. Now the Lama is a big hitter, big hitter. The Lama, nice Caddyshack reference. He's booming them all day, and he's ready to walk away. And you say, "Hey, Lama, how about something for the effort?" You know. And he offers you three things, but you can only choose one. What do you choose, and why? Free Groupons for. Your entire life, mm. your dog will learn how to go to the bathroom and the toilet. <laughs> or for the next five years of your life, your wife looks exactly like Margot Robbie. He loves the Margot Robbie questions. Yeah. Free coupons doesn't really do anything for me. Like, what am I going to do? Oh, I get like a free paint and wine thing for me. I think that one's out. <laughs> uh, dog learning how to go to the bathroom. I don't mind taking Riggins out because we have a little overhang. So, like, I just kind of like hold there and he goes down the rain. He literally walked outside yesterday, saw us pouring. Exhale and turn back around. Oh, that's what does, yeah. Yeah. You're walking into dangerous territory here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hi, Meg. Hi, Meg. Well, Meg doesn't listen to this. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'll say number three, because the interesting part about this is difference from Pat, regular Pat, Margot Robbie questions, is it's not that you're married to Margot Robbie. It's that your wife looks exactly like Margot Robbie, so you get the same personality, the same connection, the same history with your wife. I'll go number three. There are two seem like I can, I can buy anything Groupon has to offer. My dog can crap outside like a normal dog. That's too. If my dog crapped in the toilet, first of all, he wouldn't flush. I know it. He'd yeah. get poop on the seat at some point. I would start like hating my dog for that. Yeah. But you didn't even flush. You peed everywhere. What's wrong with you? You left the light on. How's he gonna get there with the light on? <laughs> the light's pretty tall. My dog's not that big. Number three. Yeah, this is pretty simple for me too. Number three. Allergic to dogs. Group on. Uh, I'll take. I'll take number three. I'll take number three as well. But my dad, on the other hand, who's a, who's been critical of the scoop <laughs> critical listener of the scoop so we were he, talking too much about rum last week right yeah, let's not talk the, the, the Malibu talk. stuff yeah but uh he would probably take number one he, he's a bit he likes groupons but I'll, I'll stick with number three <laughs> if he's saying free groupons sure he's the entire like groupons can't look margot robbie's gorgeous she's absolutely gorgeous if i say number three Chelsea, an avid listener of the scoop, she gets another, gets up in the morning. Says, oh, it's Thursday, it means I get to listen to the scoop. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's heard parts of it. She's I'd be lying oh, if she I said she was an avid listener. Um, I'm torn between one and three. John <laughs> says number three. Just cut it off there. <laughs> no, it's what you're gonna get free discount. It's not like the service gets better. You're gonna get free discount LASIK. Like it's not like all of a sudden the group gonna... on their trips to Europe. You know that is true. Groupon's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think from, from the heart money. here. You can buy anything on Groupon. Yeah. Save some money. Make some sound investments. You can't. Maybe we can't go to Europe. I'm there with my wife, Margot Robbie. Is there? Hey, I'll buy you. Is a that drink. Groupon? What? A, a night with Margot Robbie? Like that's not on there. <laughs> no, I'm not saying. She, it's, it's, I don't know. So it's a good one from Pat, from Patrick. Yeah, Patrick. How many more Margot Robbie questions does he have in uh, in the hopper? We'll find How out. many more episodes do we have this season? <laughs> Endless. We're going to start doing this daily. <laughs> Endless. I, I think we go daily. I think that's Endless a big groups. problem. Endless <laughs> problem. End of my tenure. Dalton does not like to have a schedule thrown off. <laughs> What's next after the show? i got to edit the show. Always. And then after that? What are you... I'm not really sure yet. 
gonna, gonna figure it out. Not really sure yet. That's big. It's, it's kind of that point in the semester where it's like you don't really have much to do, but you know there's stuff to do. So it's wherever the night takes them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But once again, that's gonna do it for us this week on the scoop. We appreciate you listening and sending in your mailbag questions, and we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.